He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. On my lips, the psalmist said in Psalm 19 verse 10 about the word of God that it is sweeter than honey. Join Lady Reverend Adelaide Hayward Mills. Life has a way of dishing out to us things that we did not expect. Sometimes it's a dream that seems to be delayed. Many times you see a man, you know, he has a good job, he's a cool dude, his suit is smart, and you think, when I marry him, everything will be together. The unexpected is unexpected from our perspective, but from God's perspective, it is not unexpected. On Sweet Melodies 94.3, as she puts the honey of God's word on your lips, equipping you for all facets of life this and every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Honey on my lips will change your life, preach good news to the poor, set the captives free, heal the brokenhearted, bring recovery of sight to the blind, and proclaim God's year of Jubilee. Honey on my lips. Mmm. Saturdays at 9 a.m. on Sweet Melodies. Blessed by God as you tune in to Lady Reverend Adelaide Pewart Mills. Shall we share a word of prayer? Father, the entrance of your word brings light into our lives. Let the word chase out all darkness in the nooks and crannies of our lives. And let the word of God come in and change our lives forever. Thank you for the grace And thank you for the Holy Spirit who speaks the heart of the Father through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My next topic I want to speak about, and it's not going to be very long, is yield not to temptation. Do you know the song? Yield not to temptation. Do you know it? Yield not to temptation. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God 
cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Amen. Now, the Bible is talking, first of all, about a certain type of blessing. There are many blessings. It's a blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now this one is saying, blessed is he that endureth temptation. So, it's one thing to be tempted. It's another thing to go through the temptation and endure and not fall. And the Bible is saying that when you have endured the temptation, there is a blessing for you. Amen? We will all be tempted with different things at different stages of our lives. At a certain stage in your life, you are tempted to tell lies and to be dishonest. At another stage in your life, you may be tempted to take that which is not yours. At a certain stage in your life, you may be tempted to go to sites on the internet you have no business being at. At a certain point in your life, you are tempted to have certain friends you know you should not have. When I was in college, and I met that young man who was clearly an unbeliever. It's a temptation to say, oh, the way this guy speaks, Lady Reverend, the way he carries himself, I think he genuinely loves me. And sometimes we go against God's word. And oftentimes at this age, you don't even know what love is. You may have some sentiments and some feelings running through your body, but it's just hormonal. And you cannot afford to just live by your feelings. So, Lady Reverend, when I see her, my body goes wacko. So, because of that, you are also going to go wacko. Certain things happen to you because you have reached a certain stage biologically. And that is why Timothy said, flee youthful lusts. Because there's a certain type of lust associated with youth. Which is there already. Then you have gone to enhance it. By the things that you have been watching.
But if you can look temptation in the face and say, you know, if I say I'm not tempted, I'll be lying. But I'm not going to yield to this temptation. Amen. The temptation to be worldly. The temptation to be loved by the world. There's a price to pay for everything. If you want to make good grades, you have to study. You can't just look at the notes and say, oh, fly, flying somehow. Just flying. You, you can't do that. At the same time, how you wish, but it's just a wish. At the same time, when you become a Christian, you can't just be there and say, oh, I'll just supernaturally become a strong Christian. No. There are certain things you have to do. And for instance, there are certain temptations you don't stand to fight them. You flee. Fleeing is between flying and running. Amen? But you don't stand there and say, oh, oh, as for this temptation, what can it do? Oh, oh, lady reverend. You see? Does he know who you are? I didn't write the Bible, but the scripture said, flee youthful lust. It didn't say disgust. Oh. <laughs> so, Mirabelle, do you also feel the way I feel? That is not fleeing youthful lust. It's discussing youthful lust. Amen? Amen. And some of us, we discuss with our other girlfriends or boyfriends. Oh, do you think this? And do you think that you are allowed to discuss to some extent? But the Bible's mandate is flee. Why would you play with fire? Because that thing that works in some of the young people is fire. And you have to maintain it properly. God is not against you being happy. God is not against you falling in love with a guy. God is not against you falling in love with a girl. He's not. But God is saying, do it my way. Do it my way. Because I don't want your hands to be bent. And I don't want you to be destroyed. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. So every stage, it is said, new, dev- new levels, new devils. Every level you get to, the temptation is different. Amen? Some of you, because you have become teenagers, you have become very rude. Very, very rude at home. And you have an attitude. And when they call you, you pretend you have a head. Yeah. 
And then when you've heard and you come, and then your mother is talking, you may not say it with your mouth, but in your head. You say, when is she ever going to stop talking? She is forever talking. But she's forever talking because she cares about you so much. She's trying to steer you off a certain path. She gives you chores. You don't do it. When you finish, you say, Sweet Papa, sweet Papa, oh, oh, sweet, oh. The Bible says, Let your light so shine before men that they shall see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The Bible says, show me your faith by your works. How come there's no character in our Christianity? We say we know God. Christians means just like Christ. But your attitude at home, the way you are, that unbeliever mother of yours, she will never be born again. Because she sees nothing, no change. She sees no Holy Spirit-filled life in you. In fact, you are worse. Then on Sunday, you come and stand there and say, you are going to church. You are the only gospel she has ever seen or read. And unfortunately, it has not led her to think twice. It has rather made her feel that you are wasting your time at church. Then when you come, you come and say, pray for me. My mother is persecuting me. It is self-proclaimed and self-executed. Amen. The temptation to be rude. The temptation to be rebellious. Then you'll be thinking, I can't wait till I'm 18. I will get my own apartment. I will move out. You have plans in your head. And then when you go to, you don't survive. Before we know there's a knock at the door. Because it ain't easy out there. The food wasn't nice outside. Well, amen. Did you learn how to cook when you were being taught? Yes, thank you. And they say, well, come and cut the onions. I'm going to watch my favorite soap. That foolish sitcom on television is more important. Your room is as if dynamite has been thrown there. Your room. Your room. Your room. A bomb has been thrown in your room. Everything has scattered. Even when Jesus is coming there, there's nowhere for him to put his foot. Because it's all strewn with clothes. But the Christ in you should be seen in everything that you do. It's not just coming to church. It's not just Christ church activities. It's Christ in you who makes the difference. Amen. Amen. Blessed is the man that endured the temptation not to clean up the room. Blessed is the man that endured the temptation to have two lives. You have one life in church. 
and the other, which is the real you. Amen. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. So some temptations, after they have passed, we should see that you are still standing by the grace of God. Amen. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. You don't receive a crown of life until you've been tried. Tried. And when we try you, what do we see in you? It is what comes out of you when you are under pressure. That is the real you. When you squeeze an orange under pressure, that's when you see what is in the orange. When you put a tea bag in hot water, that is when the tea really comes out. So when you are under pressure, what comes out of you? When you are under peer pressure, what comes out of you? Pressure from your peers. Everybody is doing this. Everybody believes this. Everybody acts this way. Everybody thinks like this. When you are tried, how do you come out? What is the type of conversation that comes out of you? In the book of Ephesians 4, verse, verse 28, I believe, or 29, it says that, let your speech minister grace to the people that hear you. The same word that comes out of you. The same mouth you used to say, Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. When you are in church, he's at the center. But when you leave here, something else is at the center of it all. The Bible says, how can foul language and good language come out of the same source? For when he is tried, when he is tried, what is it that is going to try you? Amen? What is it that is going to try you? And are you prepared to be unpopular? It's not easy to be unpopular. It's not easy to look weird. But the Bible says, when you have endured temptation, and when you have been tried, because when you are tried, then we see that you really love God. And you really mean business with God. But when you haven't been tried, and you seem to be going along, it's just because it's easy. But when it becomes hard, will you still stand for Jesus and for the word of God? Ask yourself this question. Amen? Hmm. He shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. There are different crowns. The Bible is saying that when you endure temptation, after you have been tried, you are still there, you receive a crown of life, which God promises to them that love him. You should never love any human being more than God. And when I say that, some of you say, so how do you love God? How do you love that foolish boy? You know how? How, how do you know you love when you have, oh, this is my favorite cereal. I love it. How do you know? 
How do you know the program should have? Because you spend time. Devotion. It comes first. So when I say to them that love him, don't pretend that it's some ethereal something. I don't understand. Yield not to temptation. After the temptations, they will come. But whether you yield or not depends on you. Verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither does God tempt any man. Amen. The Bible is showing us the source of all temptation that is not God. God does not tempt us. God does not double in evil to tempt us. And that's why when Satan came and said, well, tomorrow we'll look at that temptation. He said, well, it is written that um, he will give his angels responsibility for you. That if you fall, they'll come and bear you up on on their wings and all that. So, if you really want to prove that God is true, then fall down from this pinnacle and see whether the angels will come. And Jesus said to Satan, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. God has said it. Why are you now coming to tempt him to prove that by Satan's nature? So when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the, the description for Satan is, and when the tempter came, that's his name. He's a tempter. And the Bible says in verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted that he is tempted of God because God is not the source of temptation. Amen? You say, eh, if God knew that he would be tempted, why did he let the serpent come? And I told you, God created us in his image. So God gave us our free will. So whatever you choose, you have. And that is why at a very young age and from a very young stage of your life, you must make quality, godly decisions and choices because it will affect your future. Let no man say when he is tempted that he is tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. That is why when Satan wanted to tempt Job, God did not do it. God allowed it, yes. But the tempter has to do that work because it's his nature. Amen. And God keeps you in the time of temptation. If you will let him. Okay? If you will let him. So let no man say when he's tempted that he's tempted of God. Then he gives us the answer. But every man is tempted. When? One. When he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. So it starts with our own lusts. We are drawn away with our own. We start to think about evil. Lust is a strong evil desire for something you should not be desiring. That's what is lust. And the Bible is saying that we are drawn By our own lust. Remember I told you in the first session that our flesh remains the same. But the Holy Spirit lives in us so that we can subdue the flesh. So the flesh is enticed. It's 
It lusts after certain things. Lust is a strong evil desire for things. So it desires things it must not be desiring. So he said that that's where temptation starts from. It starts from evil desires. Amen? And he says you are drawn away. You see, the desire is leading you, but you don't know. So Beyonce is leading you. And you feel when you go to school and they say, Oh, have you heard Beyonce's latest, uh, latest album? The whole album and all that. Then you feel, oh, as for me, all that I know is Jesus at the center of it all. All that I know is nothing else matters. Oh, I can't even say it. But you can decide to have godly friends. Because it helps. Not, I didn't say people in church. People in church are good, but even that, they are different degrees. There are people in church, when you befriend them, you backslide. When you befriend them, you become worldly. When you befriend them, they introduce you to sin. In the church. Because Jesus said that when there's wheat, tares will also be grown amongst them. Jesus said, when there's sheep, wolves shall come among the sheep. He promised, in the church. In the church. So yes, I'm a pastor's wife. But it's not every pastor's wife that I fellowship with. Because it's not every pastor's wife that says godly things. And it's not every pastor's wife that loves God, maybe the way you love God. So when you go and follow such people, it will not be good. It is not everybody who even goes by the word. You may be in the church, innocent, serving your God. Then somebody comes to show you a picture you should not see. Or somebody comes to show you a boy who has done something, something, something. Before you know, your good morals have been corrupted. And you are on your way. And you found the person in the church. In the church. So far as the person is in the church, does not mean you can flow with everybody. But you must flow with people who love God and who fear Him and who are serious about the things of God. Amen, somebody. Let no man say when he is tempted that he is tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither does he tempt any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away. So our desires, our ungodly desires, they draw us away from God. Amen. Then, when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. So all these things, they have the ability to give birth. So you would think, oh, I'm just dealing with lust. I'm just dealing with enticement. But there's an incubation period of nine months for something to be born. Amen? So yes, you are walking in that sin. You are walking in this area that is not helpful to you as a young person. And you think, oh, Lady Reverend, but I'm juggling it all right and nothing is happening. It's the incubation period. Gestation period of nine months for a human being. The lust, the spirit of lust is not just 
sexual, whatever, anything that gives us a desire that is not godly is the last. And if it can draw you away, then after a while, it also gives birth to something. So you think you are dealing with one sin, but one thing leads to another. So last, when it, then when last has conceived, it brings forth sin. Temptation is in stages. It can even start from a place of, oh, it's nothing. Oh, just have a look. Oh, have you heard about this? Then before you know, a seed has been planted. Then the seed goes through the fertilization period. Before you know, the seed has become a tree and given birth to other seeds. And you say, how did I get here? So last, when it has conceived, it brings forth It brings forth sin. So when it starts, it's just at the temptation stage. And it's not sin yet. But as you go along, it will give birth. And then it will give birth to sin. Amen. Amen. Now, there are different, having said that, there are also different types of lusts. You see... If you look at Galatians 5 verse 16, Paul says, This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Amen. It says, walk in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Jesus said, one of the fundamental ways, the words that I speak to you, they are Spirit and they are life. So if you are going to walk in the Spirit, one of the cardinal ways is to walk in God's word. So it's a walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh because the flesh has these desires. But because you can't walk here and there, decide to walk here and then automatically you will not walk on the other side. Amen? So that is the last of the flesh. Then we have the last of Satan. Amen, somebody. The last of Satan. John 8, 44. You are of your father, the, dev- the, the devil. And the last of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. For he is a liar. And the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Amen. When he speaks a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And Jesus was telling the Jews, you are of your father the devil, and the last of your father you will do. So there are also satanic lusts. That is, Satan himself has his own lusts. 
And if you are not born again, then you are doomed because you are totally sold out to his lust. And that's why people do incredible things. And you think, oh, what is controlling them? How come? Because they are of their father, the devil. And the last of the father, they will do. But thank God you are born again. And God is now your father. Amen. So there's the last of Satan. Amen. And then we have the desires of God. You see, when you read Galatians 5, where we were, it says that the flesh lasteth after the things of the flesh. And then it fights the spirit. And the spirit also fights the flesh. So there's total opposition all the time. But it's... And this, so you cannot do the things that you would, but if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Then it talks about so many things, the works of the Spirit, of the flesh. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is. You see, so the Spirit also has a lust. The Spirit also has a desire. And that desire is to be contrary to things that are fleshly. So you can also have godly lust. And godly desires. Amen. The spirit lasteth against the flesh. Is that not it? The, the verses before. So then there are all these various types of lust. The Bible is talking about the satanic ones and then the fleshly ones. That entice us. Amen, somebody. And then it says, at last, when it bringeth forth, it conceives sin. And sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. Now, Adam and Eve had been told, in the day that you eat of this fruit, you will die. But they were alive. And when God came to the garden, they could speak to him. And when God came to the garden, he could ask them, what have you done? So somebody could have looked at it and said, oh, but they didn't die, lady reverend. They were alive, they didn't die. But there's something called spiritual death, which is separation from God because of sin. So even though you are born again, if you allow sin to have dominion over you, it's not that God doesn't love you. God loves a sinner, but he loves, he hates sin. And sin can create a wedge between you. So when he says that sin bringeth forth death, there's a certain death that is spiritual, and that is separation from God. That's why when people start sinning, sometimes they become worse than even the people in the world. And it's in the Bible that when you have known certain things and you go back, your condition is worse than the first. Amen. So that is separation from God. And then there's physical death that you die. You actually die physically. And we bury you because of sin. Amen? When Saul disobeyed God, it's true that God had chosen him to be king and all that. But Samuel told him, the kingdom has been taken away from you. And it will be given to another. And they went to consult a medium, a witch. And the witch told him, well, tonight you will not survive. You will die. So Satan, he will lead you step by step by step by step to death. 
when you think he's helping you. Some people I knew before have died just because of life's choices. So sin gives birth to death. It's like when people go to the club and they get drunk. And then they are driving home. And they drive into a, over a cliff or into a mountain. It's a sin that has conceived and has conceived death. Amen. And so when the Bible says, these are the stages of temptations, then you and I must say, we are not going to yield to temptation. Amen, somebody. But we are going to flee from every temptation because we know that as you are presenting yourself as last, you will go on and after your gestation period, you will become sin. And after that, sin will also give birth. And when it gives birth, it will also give birth to death. Before we know we are separated from God. And the third type of death is eternal death. Spiritual death is separation from God because of sin. Eternal death is when you remain separated from God. When after this life, you are still separated from God. You have experienced eternal death. Amen, somebody. Matthew 10, verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Amen. It's saying that, yes, some people can kill you physically. It's bad, but it's not the worst thing that can happen to you. But fear God, who after killing you spiritually, can also kill you in eternity. So you die two deaths. We are all bound to die one type of death. But only you, you have chosen two because in eternity you are still dead. Your spirit is still a dead man. And you are still not alive to the things of God. So sin, when it has conceived, gives birth to death. Amen. I pray that that would not be your story. But you see, when sin gives birth to death, death doesn't give birth to anything. It's the end. You have reached. So the Bible says, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. So sin is the last stop. That's why we shouldn't get there. When you are even in stage one, it's bad, but there's hope. But when you come down to sin, then and allow sin to finish with you. Oh. It will lead you to death. Amen. And so we shouldn't yield to temptation. We shouldn't say that we are tempted of God. I've shown you what temptation is. The lust of the flesh and are being drawn away. But how do we overcome such temptation? Amen. Are you ready to wrap up soon? Now, in fighting temptation, Lady Reverend, who were some of the patriarchs of God who went through temptation? And how did they overcome? How did they 
Make it. In spite of all that they went through, do you want to know? There are many. The patriarchs are many. But anyway, I didn't finish. So, the Bible says in the next verse that, Do not err, my beloved. Every good and every perfect gift. So, it's saying that don't confuse what God does with sin and temptation. That's not how God works. Amen? But God is good throughout every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father of light, in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. Amen, somebody. So the Bible says that every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. And one thing the Bible says is that in whom there's no variableness. God is not, I'm like this today and I'm like that tomorrow. He's not an inconsistent God. Amen, somebody? He is a very consistent God. What about you? Are you like your father? Amen? As the person next to you, are you like God? Or you are something else? Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 39. In whom there's no variableness, no shadow of turning. God is consistent. And we must also be consistent. Amen. Genesis chapter 39. It's a long story, but we'll try. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. How many of you know the story of Joseph? Okay. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him off the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. When God is with you, you prosper. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Can people see when the Lord is with you? How did the master see? By his conduct. By his behavior. The Bible says by their fruits. You will know them, not by their shouting. But by their fruits, their conduct, their behavior, you will know them. And the master saw that God was with him. You, when we look at you, what do we see? And the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And Potiphar made him overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put in his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. When a righteous person comes into your house, the Lord blesses your house for the righteous person's sake. Amen. Because the Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ. But the Bible also says that if you give a prophet or a disciple or a man or woman of God a glass of water in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward, just a glass of water. 
Amen. So because Joseph was in that house, a blessing came unto Potiphar's house. And all that he had, he put it and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer and over that God blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. For Joseph's sake, not for Potiphar's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not what he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person. Hey, can we say that about you? And well favored. Now here comes temptation. You see, when all is working well, and when God has blessed you, and when you have a good testimony, watch out. Because that is when the tempter comes. And the Bible says, Blessed is he that endureth temptation. For after he has been tried, he shall receive a crowd of life. It came to pass after these things. So life is in stages and seasons. Sometimes things will be going on well. Yes, you are in the wrong place in terms of your family and all that. But God is just blessing you and blessing the seasons that you are in. But it came to pass. After these things, that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But Joseph said, this is a very good opportunity. Verse 8. But he said, this is a very good opportunity. See how my master's wife is very influential. I can be set free from Egypt. But he refused. But he refused. One of the first steps in temptation is the ability to refuse. The ability to say no to the flesh. No to how I feel. No to the counsel of that friend. No to everything that is not of God. I refuse. I refuse to do this. But he refused. How come you, there's nothing you refuse. You want to be everybody's friend. You want to please everybody. You never refuse anything. Hmm. Amen? Amen those at the back. Amen those in the middle. Amen those in front. But he refused. And said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me, does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness And sin against my master. And sin against my master. And sin against God. The Bible says all things are naked unto him with whom we have to do. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, including in your closet and the things you are hiding. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Beholding the good 
and the bad. Joseph was in a place where they didn't even know God. Joseph was in a place where nobody even knew that he was supposed to come from a godly family. Joseph was in a place where there was no Christianity if you want. But he carried his God along with him wherever he went. And when Potiphar's wife tempted him, he could have said, I may not like her, but this is an opportunity. She will see to it that I'm set free and I go to Egypt. Remember, God gave me a dream that my brethren will bow before me, but my brethren are not here. So certainly, Egypt must be the only place, not Egypt, Canaan, must be the only place where it can happen. So this woman, if I sin with her, is sin unto good. So I'll just sin as a means, and then after that, I'll get my papers, and then I'll be able to go. Amen? He said, how can I sin against God? The God that nobody knew in that land. The God that nobody knew that you were accountable to. But he had carried the God that his father had introduced him to. And in the midst of his trials, he had never let go of God. Some of you, you would have looked at the comforts of this life and said, oh, my master has promoted me now. His wife is also giving me free scholarship. 95% scholarship, only 5% I have to pay. And some of you would have said, God, how could you be so smart? The story is told of somebody who prayed to God, to God, give me a thousand dollars and I'll pay my tithe. And then as she was going, he saw an envelope and when he took the envelope, it was 999. No, it was 900. He said, hey God, you are very smart. You already took out the tithe before you brought the money. That's how some of you are. You pray, but when God answers, then you use tricks to trick him out. But Joseph said, God forbid that I should sin against God. And it came to pass, as she spoke to Joseph day by day. Satan doesn't speak to us once and leave us. He's repetitive. And whatever it is, it comes to us over and over again. Sometimes it's this week. The next week, the pressure will come again. The week after, the pressure again. The pressure to lie. The pressure to uh, sex messages, send sex messages. The pressure to do so many things that are not of God. It's day by day. Every time he went into the house to clean, the temptation was there. The temptation was... Temptation will never end till we lie in the grave. That's why when we lie in the grave, they say rest in peace because the battle is over. Amen. Day by day, day by day that he hearkened not unto her. To lie by her or to be with her. To lie by her. Some of you say, oh, I'm just with him, but nothing will happen. I went to a college in Ghana, and they told me nowadays the Christians, they asked me a question another time. Is it okay if you have a beloved and you both lie on the bed together to watch a movie? But this 
word says that he had, he didn't listen to her and he did not to lie by her or to be with her. But you, you want to be with them. And if you have the chance, you will lie by them. To be with her or to lie with her. No. So sometimes we rather, you see the Bible says make straight paths for your feet. But we make crooked paths and, and we prepare to fall. Bible says, henceforth have we no confidence in the flesh. But you, you have a lot of confidence in the flesh. So you say, oh, she's my friend, but Lady Reverend, she can't influence me. Really? The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And then you to you say no. So you are good, oh, like Lot. You are righteous. But because of your company, the good is corrupted. So Joseph said to lie by you or to even just be with you, I will not. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, his work. And there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. This is what it means by flee youthful lust. He says, if it means I'm going to go without my coat, I'll run without my coat. Take it. Take the coat. Have it. But I'm not coming to negotiate. Oh, is that how you feel? You see, it's not right. Sometimes it's the wrong time to say, I'm going to preach to him. But the time you preach, you have backslidden. (laughs) He fled. And then, of course, even I'm a lawyer. If I were to see somebody with a coat, when I look at this story, I always say I would have believed Potiphar's wife more than Joseph. And I would have seen Joseph's footprints and fingerprints as she's struggling with him. That, oh, leave me and all that. Ah, but your fingerprints are everywhere. And usually, it's men who harass women, not the other way around. So even maybe Potiphar's wife would have successfully appointed me as her attorney. To prosecute Dave, Joseph. And I'll have all my evidence and my exhibits. A, A, B, C, and D. One, two, three, and four. It will not be easy. But God was with Joseph. And in spite of all the trials, ending up in prison, whatever, it was God's way to glory. The snag is that he endured temptation. And he got a literal crown on his head. Amen. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he has brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. And he came in unto me to lie with me. And I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. 
And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, verse 20, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Amen. When the Bible talks about enduring temptation, it means that even in the midst of the temptation, God does not leave us. Because when this happened, he's cast into prison, but the Bible says, but... The Lord was with him. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So whatever temptation we endure, his presence is with us. And it's not just with us, but it's to ensure that we overcome. And secondly, he showed him mercy. God sent help that is supernatural, including his mercy, just so that we will make it through the time of trial. Amen? And then he gave him favor. In the sight of the keeper of the prison. All these things, you won't know you need them. God does it without consulting you. He's with you. He shows you great mercy. And he sends you favor. Amen. But in the midst of it, you are still enduring a temptation. And sometimes it's a long time. Some of you will endure temptation throughout your high school life. Some of you will endure temptation throughout your college life. Some of you will endure temptation throughout your primary school life. But the Lord will still be with you. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.